when we're talking business, we're so used to thinking about rationalizing our businesses. But let's let's be honest. We are not rational beings with feelings, but the other way around. We're emotional beings that happen to be able to rationalize. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Too legitimate to quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the magnificent Dr. Michael Gerhars. Dr. Michael Gerhars coaches leaders to get the impact and influence they deserve. He is the author of the blog, The Art of Communicating, and publishes the Leaders Light the Path podcast. His book, The Aha Effect, which is available in German, teaches us why we shouldn't stop at wowing our audience, but need to take them to a profound aha effect. His clients include Fortune 500 companies, as well as hidden champions, startups, and entrepreneurs. Dr. Gerhars has a PhD in communication systems and is a passionate guitarist. He lives near Cologne, Germany with his wife, three children, and dog. Hey, hey, Dr. Michael, I have a question for you. Which is, not surprisingly, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? I'd suggest that they focus on, well, focus. And I have a thought to get you started on that. So let, let's suppose that you had a free wish. Okay. That you could be known as the world's premier resource for one thing, but one thing only. What would that be? What would you want to be known for? Ooh, I love that you're like, no, I got a question for you, Andy P. Ruggles. Turn it around. Gosh, that's such a good question. If I wanted, if I had my wish to be known for one thing and only one thing, what would I want to be known for? This podcast. Honestly, I love teaching sales desperately, but the thing that I would love to be known for is how I showcase other people's expertise. And it shows. And, and I think that that's where focus starts and clarity starts with that, that, that we ourselves get clarity about that ourselves. Because let, let, let's face it, face it, our audiences don't have that much capacity to figure out what we stand for. No. So they will just put us into some category or another. And we might not like their choice if we didn't previously do the hard work of finding that out for ourselves. And then doing everything that's in our power to give that impression and to help them put us into that category. Yeah, because if our brand is scattered, is it even really a brand? I mean, can we, if it's not cohesive, if we're talking about all things to all people or not pivoting and growing and evolving, I'm not talking about that, but if we're constantly shape-shifting in our tone, in our message, in our purpose, in our mission, then the people watching are either going to tune us out because they can't figure out what TV show they're watching, or they're just going to be confused. And then when it comes time for them to tell someone about you, they're going to be like, oh, you should check out Dr. Michael. He's smart. Exactly. 
Like, that's not going to motivate anyone. Yeah, exactly. Annie's quirky. Go check her out. That's not going to motivate anybody if they could turn around and be like, this person's specialty is this with this, with a flair for this, and they really bring an additional thrill in this. That's freaking clear. And you're right. That's got to start with clarity in us, focus and clarity in us. Why is that so freaking scary? I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that, but, but one that, that immediately pops into my mind is that it requires commitment. And commitment is always sort of scary um, because there's there's something that I, li I like to call the fear of focus. Ooh. That the thing we might focus on might not be enough, that there might be that shiny thing right beneath the focus that just would have gotten, gotten us the last deal or that people would want to have more from us. And... The tricky part about that is that, yeah, that that might very well be true. You might be totally right with that assessment. But still, in the long run, if let's let's pick your 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 example and and, and think it further. If if you would, would be known as a coach, no one would think about your service when they need it. And you're not a coach, you are a sales coach. No way, you're not a sales coach. You're a sales coach for people who care. So a non-sleazy sales. No way. You're not a non-sleazy sales coach because you're a non-sleazy sales coach for small businesses. Right. And now we're getting concrete. And that is something that we can commit to. And yes, you are losing business. There might be mid-sized businesses mm -hmm. who you could very well serve. And probably you don't even send them away when they knock at your door. But it's not who you speak to. It's the small businesses who care for what they do, who care for their cause. The do-gooders, I believe you call them. I do! It's those people who, who you are there for. And once you commit to that and, and kick that fear of focus in, um, out of the door, then, then you, you can find on the other side of that fear, you can find confidence. Right, because you're not trying to be confident in everything in the world. You're basing your confidence on your area of focus. Exactly. You only have to water that part of the garden. The rest of it can kind of go, right? So I think you're totally right in, in that it was a scary, almost mourning process for me when I pivoted into teaching and coaching, selling fully, leaving the branding and the marketing stuff largely behind. What was weird for me was exactly what you were talking about, being like, I'm not going to work with mid-sized businesses. I'm not going to go in and train corporate sales teams. And I'm not going to work with call center sales pits. I leave so much money on the table doing that. I know that I do, but that's not what I do. So I'm leaving money on somebody else's table. Because I know where my table's at. And yeah. that's not it. And you wouldn't probably even have fun doing it. Because, no! Because these are special people that you serve. And not, not, that, not that there are not special people in sales departments. But there oh, are yeah, there are. They, they are a different kind of special. Yes. And the fit is sort of helping both sides a lot. When you have fun, they have fun in both resonate in a way together that, that it amplifies what both have fun with. 
You know, I love that because probably since 2019, I've always tried to have some fun in my business, but definitely with the rebrand to the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and certainly the birth of this year podcast, I have been prioritizing fun in a different way. And I'm only leaning into that more and more. And what's exciting to me is that the people that have never understood me understood me or understand me even less now. They're like, what the shit is this crazy person doing? But they're still paying attention even to be like, I don't, what? What is who? Why do you yell so much? What? And I'm like, yeah, that's just me. But the people that have sort of understood me or my clients and stuff that I've always had that kind of behind the scenes idea of me are loving these new directions because it gets them out of whatever box of their making is, right? Like, so we're not saying when we're talking about having fun, we're not talking about being like a loud flailing Muppet like me necessarily, but we're talking about what? Infusing your work with what, Dr. Michael? How can we all have more fun? Your example is a perfect description of, of a path that leads us there um, because that that feeling of fun and that, that feeling of, I don't have a problem with yelling, although I might not be known as the yelling kind of pe person, um, but I don't have a problem with that specific problem, uh, with that specific topic that, that I'm teaching now. That is a way of listening to our gut, and that is a very good compass. When we're talking business, we're so used to thinking about rationalizing our our businesses. But but let's let's be honest, we are not rational beings with feelings, but the other way around. We're emotional beings that happen to be able to rationalize. Mm. Sometimes good, sometimes mm. not not so good. Did y'all hear that? That was freaking gorgeous. Rewind if you didn't catch that, because that's just true. Continue, please. Listen a bit more to those feelings. When we actually find that spot where it feels easier for us to talk, to speak, to write the words, um, then we're onto something. Then we're then we're on a path where we where we see this is a topic that I'm obviously passionate about. So mm -hmm. passionate about that I not only care for the cause, which is easy, and which is a which can become a comfortable place to hide behind to always keep on tinkering and optimizing, but we care so much that we actually care for the change. And so we go ah. out there, we go out there and speak about that thing and tell others about it and can't wait to tell others about, it. although we might be the shyest person in the world in other areas, but this is so important to us that we feel we just need to change the world a little bit. And that requires going out there. I'm so glad you're in my life now. I just want you to like go and put a little miniature version of you in my pocket. And just anytime I start to like pull away from fun or passion or doing things my way, I'm just going to pull the little miniature of you out of my pocket and you could just be like, stop it. And it'd be wonderful. So until we invent miniaturizing and cloning, uh, I guess I'll just listen to this episode. <laughs> but, you know, I love we're talking about such important things. We're talking about growth. We're talking about focus, but in the same breath, you're talking about fun and passion. And I feel like there's such a misconception that if I'm showing up in passion, 
that I'm not showing up seriously or I'm not taking myself seriously or I'm being too emotional. We hear this about women in politics all the time, right? Like, oh, she can't be president. She's too emotional. Like, meh, right? But you're saying bring in the passion, bring in the emotion. We're not running for government, do you, right? So so part is part of the fear of focus do we have a misconception that focus will rob us of passion? Because I think in today's pop culture example, which we'll get to, we'll see that passion fuels focus and focus fuels passion. But I'm, I'm curious as to how you see people's perceptions or misconceptions of that dichotomy. I think one, one misconception here could be that passionate always has to mean extroverted or loud. And it doesn't, I think. Yes. Some of the most captivating talks I've ever seen or some of the most charismatic leaders I've met are the silent ones. The ones who don't put a great show on the stage and have a cheering crowd with standing ovations, but the ones that get that same crowd silent mm -hmm. and reflecting and rather than a that, that, that big wow moment lead them to a profound insight, an aha moment about hopefully their lives even. And, and so, so passionate doesn't have to mean um, I'm the next super extroverted superstar that, that rocks any stage. You're the next Gary Vaynerchuk, right? You're not exactly. going to go out there and be like, fuck! Fucky, 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 fuck. That's just not your style. Exactly. Um, if only because we already have Gabe Gary Vaynerchuk. Exactly. Got one. Don't need to. And there, there's a great place for him. And he, he does very great things for, for also small business owners, I believe. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. your place might be a different one. Yeah. Um, and you might be the one who leads with not the, 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 the sheer amount of content that Gary puts out, but probably the thoughtful pieces that are thought through and um, are full of empathy for, for your, mm. for your people, um, which is probably published only once a month, but is so deep that everyone would be rioting if it would be missing one, one month. Right. Because it's concentrated. It's focused. You wait for it. You look forward to it. You can set your watch by it. You're like, Oh, It's the first Dr. Michael's emails coming out today, right? We can look for that, which which I think is so key. Now, one of the things that I get called out on all the time um, in responses to the show or just in responses to social media is people always want to argue that I'm an extrovert because I'm loud. Um, but that's all conditioning from childhood, being an only child and being very short. Like I knew if I wanted to get attention on me, I'd have to raise my volume and make bigger gestures and make my face all cartoony. But I know that what you said is so true because when I get passionate and it converts with my clients, when my passion is transferable, when my passion helps stuff happen, it's not in my yelly moments. It's when I bring that passion to someone else, light them up and give them space, right? And in that moment, I'm bringing my passion and not saying a word. So I'm so grateful 
that you have broken up the correlation between passion and extroversion because I'm the loudest person I know, but my most passionate moments are my quietest ones. And and I think that's so liberating because one of the things I hear all the time is as an objection to the non-sleazy sales academy or, you know, to coming on the show or whatever it is, is, well, Annie, I'm not like you. Great. Again, we already have a Gary Vaynerchuk. We already have an Annie P. Ruggles. I, I'm not the same tier as him, but I'm not trying to be him. Here's the pitfall. When we're talking about following your passion and, and, and using fun and passion as sort of your compass, mm-hmm. um, that might also trick you into believing that it's not hard work. Oh, 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 okay, I'm done with the podcast. The podcast is over now. You have just made the best point that I could ever make on this show. Sorry to interrupt you on that gorgeous point, but I just have to point that out again because damn it, y'all, just because you love it, just because you're good at it, just because you're passionate about it, and just because you're having fun doesn't mean it's not a damn job, y'all. Still a job. You still got to work it. Anyway, please continue your beautiful, eloquent point that I have run a train through. Yeah, I was, I mean, I, I, was, I was transitioning to, to, to Steve Jobs, who, mm-hmm. who, who is certainly one of the most passionate leaders I'm aware of, or, or who was one, yeah. one of the most, he, he actually believed that when he said, we are going to revolutionize the phone, and I'm so proud of my team, he meant that, and he felt yep. that. And, and he was one of the most brilliant presenters, but he was also one of the most hardworking presenters. Hell yes. When he got on stage, the presentation had been prepared for months, for uh, for hundreds of man months. And then when everything was said and done and the presentation was done, he stood on the stage for two, two complete days as a CEO of one of the world's largest companies at that time. He just practiced and practiced and practiced. And that is the reason why when he actually got up, went out there and went on stage, that he was so eloquent and so um, and and just ruled the, the stage because he owned it because that was his living room after so many hours of presenting. And so although it com- came probably easy to him, he still refined it and refined it and refined it. So and listened to the feedback and 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 change things and and tweak things until he got it right. That's masterful because you're right. What appears effortless so seldom actually is it's practiced it's refined and it's focused steve jobs isn't up there on stage talking about the ozone hole he's up there talking about the iphone that he had been working on behind the scenes for years with a whole team of people that contributed to that talk and helped him prep it right like steve jobs isn't up there talking about how to parent children that wouldn't appear so effortless it was effortless seeming because he knows what he knows because he works hard to know it and that bridges the gap to 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 where we started from to focus because as you said he's not great in many areas he's focusing on one area where he's particularly passionate and good at and just like any other master that comes to my mind i mean there's no tennis star there's no no serena williams who's also a good jazz saxophone player (laughs) there is no three-star michelin chef who's also a um great track and field athlete yeah they have 
decided that there's one thing where they want to be good at. Yep. And that liberates you on other, other fronts because when you decide that this is my focus, it also means that there are lots of other fields where you can settle with second best and that's okay. Yes. And you can still pivot in the future and lean into something new. Rihanna comes to mind. Rihanna has her whole lingerie line right now. She's like a lady billionaire. She's making all this money. She makes this fabulous quality lingerie that people love to wear. And everyone's like, wow, Rihanna, she's doing it all. When's the last time she came out with the new album? She's not. Why? Because she's focused on growing her brands. Right. So even she understands I got to let my primary die for a bit because I'm really good at this other thing and it needs more of my focus. Will we get new music from Miana someday? I'm sure we will. But for right now, what we're getting is a lot of lingerie ads and a lot of really happy uh, women bodied people walking around feeling good about themselves. And that's what she wants to focus on now. So good for her. One of my favorite quotes is from Stanley Kubrick, who is probably also well known as one really yeah, almost maniac um, film oh, director who, yeah. who, who put his actors through, through acting hell um, and, and, and who was so meticulous in crafting every possible detail. He once said that either you care or you don't, there is no in between. And if you care, then, then go all of the way. And, and I, I feel that that's a very good, good measure, measuring stick for, for evaluating. Because if you don't go all the way, if you don't fully care, you're probably not really caring. And, and he argues that there is no, no in-between, so that you basically don't care. And, and that might be because you try to care for too, diff too many different things. If you do that, you're easily getting overwhelmed. You're not doing anything of those many th fields that you're, you feel you need to serve particularly well. And so you're falling behind the competition in all of those fields rather than focusing on one thing where you can actually become so good that you actually become known as the world's premier resource for that thing. I mean, you cannot have a masterpiece without focus. You can't. Kubrick is a perfect example. We wouldn't have a Shining. We wouldn't have a 2001 if he wasn't completely fixated on that. Now, we can argue all day, like you said, to your point that like poor Shelley Duvall got terrorized every single day of that shoot and still, I think, is in therapy for The Shining. But the rest of us all get to benefit from that. Right now, I mean, Hitchcock did the same thing with with his people, too. He's like, but he also had that super focus. So now what we get to do when you're not in the job of terrifying people in the way of Stephen King or, you know, other Hitchcockian horrors, we get to amplify that same passion in beautiful ways. You unlock people. You get them to tell. You get them to communicate. You get them to show that passion. I get people to compensate themselves well. I get people's dreams to be profitable. We're not throwing live birds at the head of Tippy Hedren, like, you know, and so it's so funny. We're not hurting anyone, and yet we're the ones that hold back. If, if we all got a little bit of that Kubrick madness in us, maintaining our empathy and compassion and caring for other people, imagine what we could do. And, and the, the interesting, almost paradox aspect of that is that if you do, you can, you can step off the hero's podium that you so desperately try to own when you're not mm. 
not at that position already. I mean, how many marketing advice is there um, that, that tells you uh, how to shine a bright spotlight upon yourself? All of it. That is almost never what our audiences care for. They don't care for, for cheering. They don't show up to cheer for us. They have their own lives with their own struggles and they want mm -hmm. us to cheer for them. Amazing. Uh, and so the, the best thing that we can do is step off the hero's podium, leave it to them and show up as their mentor. And if we manage to care for something so badly that we become so good at that, as probably Kubrick does, or it, it doesn't probably even have to be that extreme, um, then we can confidently and comfortably speak about those things from a position of owning that spot, that we have seen that, we have that experience. We don't need to prove anyone our expertise. We just need to show it to them. We, need, we just need to tell a true story about the things that we've made. About the things that we've made. Y'all, did you hear that? Like, I have made so many enemies because I'd say all the time, 99% of memoirs are entirely boring. Why? Your last point. I don't need to read a whole book about you. If you've been through something cool, teach me the lesson. Shorten my learning curve. Tell me how your incredible life, in fact, like infects, affects my life. If it doesn't and you're not the queen of England, I'm probably not going to read your bio. I just don't care that much. And people get so offended by that where they're like, but everything in me is, is, is in this memoir. And I'm like, yeah, but you're focusing so much and I've never had this language. I'm so grateful for it now. It's that a memoir by definition is often a testament of what you've been through and who you are. It is not what you've made and it's not why that matters. So I love that you're like, get out there and be passionate about what you're doing, what you're creating, get off the damn pedestal, open it up for somebody else and then lean up against it, loaning it your support, right? Like mentors are not drivers, mentors are navigators and get so much marketing is exactly what you're saying. Me, 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 guru, guru, worship, 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 pedestal, pedestal. So I think that's just revolutionary. Get off the hero's podium. Get off of it. There is a place for for speaking about our own adventures and about our ourselves. It doesn't mean that we should should leave our personality or our personal experiences off the stage or outside of our books. Um, but when we tell our story with our own anecdotes, we don't tell it for the others to to be awed by that. Um, we tell it on behalf of them, because mm -hmm. while it's while it's us who they look at, it's them who they see. They it's sort of the canvas where they project themselves upon. And if there's something to learn because they see them, they identify themselves in our story, then that's a great story. That's wild. So all that being said, you have this concept that I just love and I would love for you to explain. What is the curse of knowledge, Dr. Michael? That, that's actually not my concept. It's, it's a psychologically well-known well phenomenon and everyone sitting here or listening to that podcast has experienced that because we all fall prey to the curse of knowledge. That is the phenomenon that 
the more we know about something, the harder it gets to speak about that thing in simple terms. Oh! Let's look at it at a sim- simple example: maths. Okay. Have you were, were you good at maths? I was. I was standard. I was average. Probably at some point you understood what a variable is, right? Yes. And you were probably not even the last in your class to understand that concept. No, I was right. Probably right dab smack in the middle. Exactly. So, and the the the, the point that I'm up to is at the moment in time that you suddenly saw clearly and understood what a variable is, a huge gap opened up between you and all the other classmates who didn't understand it yet. And although you've been in the exact same position just five minutes ago, you fail to find simple words to explain to them what you now see so clearly. What's so clear for you inside becomes so hard to explain to someone outside of you. And and that's basically the phenomenon that as experts in our field, it's super hard to find an appropriate language um, that layman's, all the all the people who are not as expert as we are can easily understand and translate into their own lives. Heck yeah. This at the same time, this is sort of probably the most valuable step that you can make for your communication. Well, we've all been confused about something, gone to an expert, asked them to explain it to us and left more confused. Right. We've all had that. Like, I had a friend who had a husband who was really into like nuclear physics and stuff. And sometimes I would be stupid enough to ask a question and he would be like, Annie, it's really very simple. It's just. And I'm like, now I'm totally confused, more confused and totally exhausted. And and I would see that all the time. Many, many, many iterations ago when I was doing more story crafting and copywriting with people is they would bring copy to me to edit. And if they were a healer, if they were doing something with the brain, if they had a medical background, if they were an academic, so much of it would be really dumbing that copy down to the layman level because if even, you know, especially with like healers and stuff like that. I would like, if you're, to, yeah, go ahead. I would love to interrupt you. I, I doubt that you've, that you've dumbed it down because there's, there's this, you, you've simplified it and that, that is a huge difference. That's different. You're right. I'm wrong. There's this huge misconception that eloquence would be the craft or even art of juggling complex words and complex sentences and and y- using speech that the dumb people aren't able to understand i think it's nothing could be further from the truth actually eloquence is the art of finding the right words at the right time and more often than than not it's the simple words that make you eloquent rather than the complex words. It's the easy to understand rather than the difficult to understand things. It shows that you might be intelligent, probably. Don't know whether that's even a, a correct assertion at that point, but it's not It's not helping you in showing your brilliance because, I mean, what, what use is your brilliance if others don't understand it? What use is the brilliant <sighs> algorithm that you crafted if the world doesn't see it? Yes. Yes. 
What use is your brilliance if others don't understand it? Oh my gosh, you're totally right. I don't mean dumbing down. I totally misspoke. I mean simplifying. A hundred percent, a zillion percent. And you're right. Mastery and eloquence come from the beautiful application of things like simplicity. So no, you're completely right. And I love that. What use is your brilliance if no one can understand it? And what use is your brilliance if no one can find it? Right? Because that's the other thing is how many people out there listening right now, myself included, have three, fourth written books. Yeah. And the, the, the trap for people, the trap for people who care deeply about the things that they do, that they spend their whole life exploring one field, that they become the, the, an expert in this or that, is that they feel the need that they would need to tell us everything they know, that yeah, they would th- that, that we would need to appreciate everything they know and all at once. And I think that's hurting way more than it's helping because you are way better off if you make me curious with one thing that makes me curious to hear this to ask you about the second thing how tell me please tell me more that that's that's how every great story is crafted they they hook us up at the beginning with one thing one thing happens that somehow attaches us to that story and that makes us curious and keep watching and keep watching and keep watching and if you manage to do that eventually you will be able to tell us everything but from a position where we actually want to know it. There it is. It's focus again. It's all about focus. All right. Well, I have brought you here for another focus, and I am so excited I'm about to wet my damn pants. So here we go, y'all. Talk about focus. Eight movies made with one plot point. And they're all, not all, they're mostly all extremely good. I'm talking about Rocky One through Five, Rocky Balboa, and Creed, and one in, like, Creed 1, and Creed 2, uh, but anything in that world. So, Dr. Michael, the man just wants to box and love his wife and maybe inspire some other people along the way. What does any of this focus, passion, effortlessness, practice, brilliance, simplicity, what does that have to do with Rocky Balboa? Everything. Pretty much. <laughs> It starts with 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 focus. Actually, I mean, he, as you mentioned, he is focused on on boxing. That is his passion. That is where he's good at. But he's at probably a similar point where some of our listeners are at, where he doesn't care so much that he's willing to go all the way. He hasn't heard Kubrick's quote yet until Apollo calls him up and and, and challenges him for the world championship. This is when his calling comes and when he see when when he's got to make a decision whether he's actually willing to care so much that he's willing to go all the way, which is what he does, and which is what leads him to sacrifice other areas of his life, where where he has to settle with second best or lower. And because he's so focused on that one goal. And I feel what what makes this movie so special. And so, so beloved by so many people. It's actually one of the, the rare movies where I have a hard time even picking one person who doesn't like it. Um, and I think, think part of the magic is that this is sort of the canvas that we were speaking about earlier. 
we look at Rocky, but what we see is us. Because everyone has been Rocky at one point in their life, where we knew, where we just knew that we, we've had it in us, that we have that great talent, just as Rocky knew right at the start of the movie that he has it all in him. Um, it's just that the others were more lucky or that there were unfortunate um, consequences of life or whatever, whatever. But if he ever gets to show the world what he's actually capable of, he will. And it's what he does. And this is the, a story which everyone can identify with. It's Rocky is just the canvas that we project uh, us on, where we see if only we ever get the chance of showing the world what we are so good at, we will do just the same that Rocky did. You're so 100% spot on, which is why I was so excited when you proposed this topic. I mean, A, I love Rocky. B, I'm Italian-American. C, I've run those stairs with my dad and we both like tried to die at the top. But, you know, Rocky is so famous. Rocky One, especially, is so famous for the training montages. And damn if that isn't just a parade of focus. What we're seeing Rock do and what we're seeing Mickey do with him is keep him focused and prepared. He's not doing any superfluous actions in that montage. He's not washing the floor. He's not taking a shower. He's not eating dinner. He's training. They are showing how much of his life became dedicated to training. He knew he didn't have a long time. He knew he had to literally move mountains in defeating Apollo Creed, right? So, like, he had a short period of time to get shit done in a big way. What did he do? He trained. He focused. And he found a, he found a mentor who knew how he should train and how he should focus. That was best for him. And he also had competitors, collaborators, and colleagues that stood on the sidelines and went, let's go, Rock. Let's see what you got. Like, if that's not solopreneurship, I don't know what is. And it wasn't pure passion. It wasn't just that, well... He, he had fun. To, it, it's what he did in the beginning, but it's also where he wasn't uh, competing, wasn't even able to compete for a world champion. It's when he, when he saw that, well, it's passion. It's my passion, but it's also hard work. And I just got to go for it. And I just need to, 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 to train that extra hour. And I just need to listen to my, uh, to my coach there. Well, and all of us, you said all of us are Rocky. All of us have been the underdog. All of us have expected more of ourselves than other people have expected of us at one point. All of us have felt unfulfilled, unchallenged. All of us have felt like we're, you know, the wrong size bit in the wrong size bob. We've, we've all felt that, right? So when you said, like, when he gets called out, literally called out to come and do this, his choice is, am I going to double down on this or not? And he does what so many of us hope that we would do in that situation. He rises to that occasion. He trains his ass off. He has fun doing it and he becomes the Italian stallion. Side note for listeners, I am a boxer and my boxing name is the Italian Scallion. What up? What <laughs> up? I'm like, I am small and onion shaped. I am small and round Italian Scallion. What, what? Um, I will punch you with my Muppet fists. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead. But the, the interesting thing is that you don't have to be a boxer and, or even into boxing at all. In fact, I don't care. I couldn't care less for boxing myself, but I still do love that movie. And I know many people who are quite the same, 
who who, who don't care for boxing, who even hate, w w wouldn't even wa watch a real boxing fight, and they no. still still love love that movie because it is so well crafted as that canvas, and 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 this is probably the lesson that 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 we could could take away from that this is how we tell stories not only in on a big movie screen or today on netflix but also on our websites in our brochures in our emails or in our keynote speeches um, where we where we don't show up as the hero it's it's the us where, where they look at but it's them who our customers see if we speak up on their behalf and give them that canvas where they can project themselves upon, where we show them a path forward that, that lights them the path and brings them one step closer to their destination, then that's going to give us, uh, to, to give them a much better time and help, 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 help hold us in, in their memories much better than any bragging or award mentioning that we could be doing instead yeah and in that point like enough being rocky be the mickey yeah if you've gotten where you need to get to i mean don't yell at each other and demean each other and scream and throw fits in your apartment building that's not what i'm saying y'all but i'm saying like if you know what you're doing maybe take yourself again off that pedestal put somebody else up there and see what the two of you can accomplish together with them under your care because you have been doing the damn thing you know what you're doing right so i think that's so huge and and so key but even then like you know there's that power struggle there of mentor mentee there's the power struggle there of i care about this person but this person is my competition right like i'm supposed to literally physically damage this person beyond temporary repair but i care about them what does that look like or they have a family what does that look like and we see what that looks like in creed one and two right? Generation, the next generation. And so, but even so, I've said about Rocky so many times, the thing I really liked about Creed was that it was really obviously a Rocky movie. It followed the Rocky tone. It followed the Rocky script. It had the Rocky feel. It had that consistent Rocky consistency, right? And that's what you're talking about too. It's plain, it's clear, it's focused, it's unique. It's a Rocky movie, right? And people can argue all day. Rocky 2 is great. Rocky 3 is terrible. Rocky 4, oh my God. Why did they come up with Rocky? It doesn't matter. Everybody loves Rocky 1. And if you watch the other ones, you can at least see how it's still in that cohesive place. And if we're not focused, we can't have seven sequels. We just can't. Yeah. Seven sequels of what? The next generation of what? Yeah. Y'all, I loved Creed. Unpopular opinion. I freaking loved Creed. I thought it was gorgeous. Um, but no, I think I think that's really, really huge. And the other thing about Rock is that he, as the underdog, has a lot of haters. And, and not necessarily haters that are active haters, but he's got a whole lot of naysayers that are like, what the hell are you doing, Rock? Just go get a job as a bag boy at a grocery store. Why are you dating that weird girl, Rock? What are you doing? Move out of town. Go be a thug. Go be a hitman again. Like, you know, do all this other stuff. And I feel like so many of us have Adrian's brother in our own lives just being like, 
eh, maybe they're not that loud. Maybe they're not that bitchy, but they do stand there on the sidelines while you're actively training and try to distract you. And then what do they do? You get to the top of what you're doing. And then they're like, I was there the whole time as a guiding advisor. And it's like, no, you were not. You've been a little hater from day one. Right. So it's like, that's yeah, the other but, thing. But what, it's maintaining what does, focus. And what, what does Rocky do? He just doesn't care. No. He says, when when he when he asks whether he can merchandise Rocky's name, mm-hmm. Rocky says, "Yeah, go for, if you can make a buck of my name, do it. Yeah, it's fine fine with me." He just doesn't doesn't bother with 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 hating others for for not being there all the time. That's not his lane. That's not his job. His job is boxing. He keeps being focused on 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 what what he's good at and not bothering about whether other people would have other scripts for their life that's his and he doesn't bother with other people's scripts no he doesn't and he helps people find their own footing in versions of his script in the future which is also just cool (sighs) oh man i wish we could talk about this for years someday i'm gonna have a whole conference and they'll be like rocky day and i'll fly you over and we'll have loads of fun and it'll be great but for right now i got two more questions for you my first question is For your website and social, you and I decide that we are going to shoot a training montage, Rocky style. And the final ultimate scene of this training montage, you are doing some activity at some landmark near you, but you're not allowed to run stairs. What's the activity? What's the landmark? This is the ultimate point of the montage. Where are you? What are you doing? So we're preparing for an actual boxing fight, yeah, right? Could be anything you want for your business. We are building a montage of you training to be your best you. Being born close to Cologne and having lived my whole life here, it's got to be the cathedral in Cologne, which is which is as iconic as the stairs are nowadays for Philadelphia. It's that that landscape. And I probably are holding a pencil in my hand and writing. There you go. It just zooms in. You're doing all this writing. You're squirreling stuff away. You're making all your posts. And then there you are. Bam. Backlit by the cathedral. Pen in hand. I love it. That's going to be awesome. What's the theme song that's playing during that? Great question. It's probably Pat Metheny's Root of Coincidence, which I happen to love at the moment. There we go. Now that is your own, very own, only you version of the Rocky training montage. I freaking love it. This has been such a joy. I needed to hear all of this. I really did. So thank you for allowing me to be listener number one. Thank you for bringing this to my show. Thank you for being here. What is the best way for you to help unlock the magic and the passion in our listeners? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, first of all, um, head over to my website, michaelgerhards.com. That's G-E-R-H-A-R-Z, one word, michaelgerhards.com. Um, and there you'll, you'll find a lot of resources like a, a daily blog on um, with daily thoughts on clarity uh, and a, a podcast that's two minutes twice a week, very short in, insights into the art of communicating. If you would like my help with finding clarity and speaking with clarity and communicating with clarity, then there are... Um, Two, two ways to do that. You can hop on an instant clarity call, pick an emergency date, and we'll figure it out immediately. Um, or you can 
schedule a discovery call for an extended project where we discuss your extended needs and then work it out in detail for you and make clarity and focus a reality for you. How refreshing to have an emergency call. It's like you're right there in the ring with them. Well, Dr. Michael, again, it has been a thrilling adventure having you here today. Thank you for being my guest. It's been been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Y'all, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you hit anyone. Well, hey there. I really, really wanted to make this week's homework some kind of training montage assignment, but I promised y'all stuff that's both instantly actionable and strategic right in the title of this podcast, and crafting an elaborate video montage seems like the exact opposite of both of those things. Nope. Instead, I want you to remember and consider that Rocky is, at its heart, a relatable biography. Movie after movie, documenting the loves, passions, challenges, failures, and triumphs of one dude and all of the folks who love and support him. And yet, as Dr. Michael pointed out, we all identify with Rock at some point. We are all Rocky. We are all running the stairs of our own lives and just trying to get from fight to fight. So this week, your homework is to seek out the places where you have told pieces of your own story, like your about page, your backstory spiel you roll out on podcast interviews, and your vulnerable, transparent, rags-to-riches Instagram grid bits, and ask yourself, am I just telling them about me, or am I bringing the message home to the reader or receiver? Put another way. Is this transferable passion or just a recitation of the events of my life? Am I doing enough to bridge the gap and show that my prospect and I are more similar than different? Am I being clear enough that they are not alone as they train for whatever they face? As we're all converting prospects to clients and followers to raving fans, we have to remind ourselves over and over to get them to not only cheer for us, but to cheer for themselves along the way. And if we're not doing that, well, we all have some copywriting to do. thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time. <laughs>